afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey, everybody. Hello and welcome to uh, an already jovial rock solid. I'm Pat Francis. I'm Gary Lucy. Over there is Matt Belknap, producer. And uh, we are in San Francisco for the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Coming to you live from the basement of uh, the Embarcadero Center. That's right, from the Club Porters Hotel. Matt's idea was to do a, uh, a podcast while we're in San Francisco. And so we thought, well, we need to, we need to get a guest. We need to get someone that is a uh, quintessential uh, San Francisco. Somebody big, Somebody big. Not, but, not, but not too big. Not too right. big that he wouldn't come on our show. Right, yeah. right. Somebody small, <laughs> but not too small. <laughs> so we got the gentleman that's talking, and his name, Gary, tell everybody. I, I'm so excited. It's Greg Kidd. It's Greg Kidd, everybody. Yay. Here to my right. Oh, and we're we are ready to have... A, a conversation. Can I uh, say that? That's we got. All right, <laughs> right. Let's start the kintroversy now. <laughs> oh, man. Greg, you, you know it goes. It, once you start those puns, they never stop. So let's just cut them right there. <laughs> good call. Good call. I wanted to at least get one out because uh, yeah. because I want to talk. We want to talk about uh, the naming of some of the albums and who was that your idea? Well, let me let me tell you, it happened organically. Okay. Uh, you know, this is Berserkly Records. Mm-hmm. We spent three quarters of the day smoking weed, <laughs> the other quarter of the day planning what to do when we weren't smoking right. the weed. So we had uh, put the, the first one was called Greg Kent. And then was like, okay, well, the second album's coming out. What do you want to call it? And everybody was, well, Greg Kin again. <laughs> and then the third album came. I was like, well, we need another name. And how about Next to Kin? <laughs> and by this time, we had start. We'd created a monster, right? And it became a thing. I yeah. mean, geez, we must have done a million of them. I know and, it's crazy. Uh, there were two albums that I absolutely, positively refused to do the Kin pun uh-huh. on, and Glad both of those right. albums stiff. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, okay, all right, smart guy. What else you got? Got to give the people what they want. Right, Glasshouse Rock. Put Pete Townsend put out an album the yeah. same year called Glass... glass. Uh, empty, gla- empty Glass. Empty Glass. Right. And we were thinking of combining them as an Empty Glass House Rock. So, <laughs> But, you know, I went right back to Ken, and wouldn't you know it, the record sales begin to double and quadruple, and I don't know why. So then, if it, if it works, don't don't fix it. It's good that you had that contingency plan. Yes. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. You see how it works. Oh man, now, now, you got a triple word score for that one because it was long and it was right in the middle of the board. Now, now Greg, only because you just brought up Glasshouse Rock, I have yeah. to say. Uh, that's a, that's a phenomenal album that is available on iTunes right now, and I do actually have a great tune from Glasshouse Rock queued up. So let's hear cool. let's hear about thirty seconds of this song. This is Small Change. Oh, nice.
awesome. Yeah, that is small change. Beautiful, that is an excellent song. Power pop. That's wow. What's, yeah. That's what's great about Greg's career. Like, on the national stage, a lot of people didn't know you until the, the breakup song. Yeah, right. which was, was our seventh, seventh album. album. Yeah, really, that would never yeah. happen. It never today. happened to that's like a, that's chance. like that's like Ario Speedwagon with yeah. High Infidelity as their tenth album. Oh, okay. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now the beauty of this whole deal, guys, is that like about a year ago, after long. Long years of legal wrangling. I got the rights back to all nice. of my stuff. So we're putting out, we're re-releasing all of the entire catalog in chronological order. Nice. And this month or this week, we just re-released Rock and Roll, which is probably you know the signature album for the GKB. Um, That's right. But it, you know the fans are digging it because now they can get it again. Yeah. Uh, stuff's been out of print since the early Paleozoic era. Oh yeah, Powerpuff fans, we were paying hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. You know when you could find them. I know. You know for these. Yes, and- I saw a copy of Rock and Roll on eBay for three hundred ninety nine dollars. The CD. Yeah, I know. I, and, I, and I would have bought it for myself, but uh, <laughs> no, that's yeah. a joke. So uh, is, is it ever going to come out? Are they ever going to come out physical copy? Or it's all digital. Well, we, we put we put the um, the best of uh, as a physical yeah. CD, and you know the the future is pretty open. I mean, this has all been digitally re released mm-hmm. now through iTunes and wherever else right. music is downloaded. But uh, you know, I, I could definitely see some of these things. You know, I, I think it's a matter of demand. Yeah, yeah. I have true. the same situation coming up. I, I got a book that I'm publishing. The the uh, published date is September 3rd. It's called Rubber Soul. It's about the Beatles. It's really oh, it's cool. a fictional work about the Beatles in a murder mystery. Oh, it's <laughs> really neat. It's really different. I've never read anything like it. But, yeah, we're putting that thing out. And, like, the, the book companies say, well, it's in kind of an E. It's a digital publish, publisher. Yeah. Premier digital publishing. But they also, what they do called print on demand, where they'll print... Uh, one or two thousand copies. They sell those. They print another one or two. Uh, back in the old days, man, we didn't know what we were doing. No. Are you kidding me? You know, I, I told you what we did three quarters of the time, and the rest <laughs> of it, we we had so much fun. And I, that was the other thing about making this album. I just have great memories. I loved, you know, my, my guys in my band. Gary Phillips, no longer with us. Dave Carpenter, also gone. And those guys were fabulous to work with in the studio. We had so much fun. That was recorded at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, just across the bay. And we were in the side room, Studio C, wow. which was the room. They called it the room that Credence built. Is that where they recorded all their hits? And, and all, like, Proud Mary, wow. you know, uh, Green River, all those great hits were recorded in the same room where the breakup song was A lot was of good recorded. vibes in there. Then. Yeah, real good vibes. And you had your own entrance to the street because oh, it oh, was in nice. the back of the building. So you could just open the door and you're out. Nice. You know what I mean? It was great for going out and you know smoking, smoking things, and hanging out. And then you didn't have to go past the security guard at 3 nice. a.m. Excellent. Now, the, the albums, too, uh, produced Matthew King Kaufman. Is he yes. still with us? He's still with us. And uh, Joel Turtle here was Matt's partner in Berserkly Records. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we still are kind of a family outfit here. Um, and that was, and, and Joel was the guy, really, that, that uh, 
that had the vision of like, let's be able to put the, the old stuff out. Because, you know, when you have grandchildren, you're into legacy building. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, you know, Keith Richards was like that last week. Yeah, this is all legacy building. It's <laughs> pretty secure, I think. Uh, speak, right. Speaking of Keith Richards. You've opened for the Rolling Stones. Yes, I have. And and, and any backstage stories you oh, can tell us? Oh, jeez. How much time do we have? Well, let, give us the <laughs> best one. Do you want uh, you want prophylactics or you want it raw? <laughs> what, was, uh, what was it like? Because that was a stadium tour. Yeah. So oh, what's what was it, like it like performing in, uh, in front first, of that many people? <laughs> the first time I walked out on a stage in front of 80,000 people. Wow. It was debilitating. <laughs> I mean, I took about four steps out there, and then holy, I couldn't move my legs. My my throat seized up, and I just looked at it. it was like, hey, hey, hello, everybody, that's my good wife, everybody. So we realized, I think, about third of the way through the set that. We wanted to see the Stones as much as the audience wanted. <laughs> right. So we were hurrying our set to get the hell off so they could play. You guys are playing like yeah. the Ramones. You're doing yeah. all your songs in 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, geez. One time the Ramones opened for us back at the Keystone Berkeley. Wow. You want to hear a story? That does yeah. not sound like a good it, double bill to me. It, it was, flow. It was uh, God, it was right at the beginning. I think they just put out the first album. Uh-huh. And, and everybody wanted to see the Ramones. Everybody been reading about, you yeah. know, we'd saw, we'd seen Devo and Blondie and OK, let's see the Ramones. So they showed up at nine o'clock. The, the, the doors opened at nine o'clock at the Keystone. <laughs> Usually the first band on went about about 11 and the headlighter going around uh, midnight. So wait, no sound check for the Ramones? Nothing. They came in there. They were whacked out of their skulls. They set up their equipment in record time. At 9 o'clock to 9.20, they played a furious set in front of the bouncer and one guy that was, like, sweeping up. Then they tore all their shit down and said, look, here's our contract. Pay us. We're out of here. Sniffing glue and counting to four. And that's what, that's what you get. One, two, three, four. And, and it was a brilliant show, yeah. I understand. Stand, but in front of two people, <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't you stick around for the audience? I don't know. Now, I, but I, I do love the Ramones. Yeah, I said that wasn't a good double bill. I love the Ramones and I love Greg Kinn. I just don't know if those two bands go together. Oh, in the yeah, same. we played with everybody in the in the day. We played uh-huh. with Patty Smith. We wow. would open for Patty Great. Smith doing poetry. Now, how do you open oh, for wow. poetry? I don't know. <laughs> you do a lot of talking, is what oh. you do. You guys gonna add fo- one foot in like new wave a little bit and one yeah. foot in uh, power pop? Do you like power pop? Do you mind that? Term? I don't mind it. You know, Berserkly was the real, true first independent label of the modern era. Absolutely. I mean, Stiff and all that stuff, they followed. Yeah. And when Berserkly first came in, and, you know, uh, Joel will tell you, because we, we fancied ourselves like Sun Records. You know, we were a little tiny label. <laughs> right. We didn't have home of the it, hits. We, yeah, exactly. It was a joke. Home of the hits was a joke. And I remember uh, distributing that record out of the back of uh, Steve Levine's VW bus. That's the way it was done. <laughs> I shrink wrapped my Seriously? first album. That's oh, crazy. Now think about that. I shrink wrapped my own first album. How expensive? How expensive was a shrink wrap machine back then? Well, I think it was about two grand, man. Wow. And man, they that's... had one at Rather Ripped Records where I had my day job. Oh my God. And I'd go up in there after hours, you know, three in the morning, me nice. and Gary Phillips up there, whacked out of our skulls, shrink wrapping 
berserkly chart busters wow. and the modern lovers and the first Greg Kinn album. Because if we didn't do it, who was gonna? Nobody was. Rubenews, they were great. Rubenews, yeah, yeah, we That's, did all of that. Well, I think it's amazing. I from from, from nineteen seventy six to eighty six, you release an album every single year. Yeah. That's the way it was done back that, in the day. That was the way it was done. That's the, part of it was, you know, we were playing all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could still get FM airplay in places like Cleveland and Cincinnati yep. and go fly in, play a club there. That's cool. And it was it was really good. So I I kind of look back on those berserkly days. They were, they were the funnest days, man. That yeah. was a wonderful, wonderful time to be in the record business. It's completely different now. Yeah, but back then it was like the wild west. Now you mentioned your record store career briefly because that—that's what's always uh, struck me about you is you always seem like somebody who was like a like a music fan. It seems yeah, like you yeah. Had a- I was a record store clerk. That uh-huh. was that was me. You know that goofy guy that you hey what you know uh, what's the uh, the second Amon Duel album? <laughs> oh, Birth Control. It's right over here. You guys always play cool covers. You put cool covers on your albums. You yeah. have, uh, I always worked and- in uh, in record stores because I always liked records. I yep. just like being around them. Gary, when I was a teenager, I used to do that. Gary, awesome. you and I both worked in record totally. stores also. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah, National Record Mart. Because we couldn't play music. That's because we couldn't play music. <laughs> yeah. There's also those dudes. Yeah. The guys that love it but <laughs> yeah. can't play it. Yeah. Um, what uh, do you want to play? You know, you got your yeah, guitar. Yeah, guitar let's, right let's, here. What are you going to do for us? I should do a medley of my hit. Why not? <laughs> my medley of my hit. Musician <laughs> tune. Tell me, you're a musician. <laughs> oh, I got to take these off to get this thing tuned. All righty. We'll wait. We're happy to. This is a very expensive Martin guitar. I, I want you to know. Beautiful. Look at that thing. It's the only decent one I got. I'm pretty. I'm known as a bad guitarist. Did you know that? <laughs> Look, bad guitarists yeah. are, are successful. That doesn't sound right. This is all live too. Yeah. It? Oh, yeah. We're gonna. We're not editing this out. We're like the dead. <laughs> This reminds me of the, you were talking about Ravi Shankar before, and like uh, uh, Greg was, and uh, when he first played in the states, uh-huh. the band came out and tuned up, and, the, <laughs> and like when they were done, the band, you know, the crowd goes crazy because they weren't, they didn't know like right. the Indian repertoire. And he's like, um, we were just tuning up, but yeah. we hope you enjoyed the songs. Too. I don't know what hey. Greg's worrying about. The Ramones don't tune up. Exactly. They're, they're, they're yeah, you know what? I I I've played enough times with the Grateful Dead where the first song is that old. <laughs> Tuning up. The tune up. That's and, awesome. I mean, they could go on for 20 minutes. Until <laughs> they get it right. <laughs> We'd broken up for good just an hour before. This is the Sinatra version. I just want you to know. This is the Rat Pack version. And, and you can wag your. T- Cause they don't write them like that anymore. They just don't write them like that anymore. We've been living together for a million 
years. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-
the Betty Ford Clinic. Your receptionist <laughs> name is Thelma. <laughs> you know, uh, the road to rock and roll heaven is p- paved by the bleached skulls of guys like Greg Ginn. <laughs> so it's really hard to like, I don't have an ending yet. You know, I'm hoping that there'll be like one of these Bobby Darren endings. Right. Oh, yeah, he came back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He was doing Mac the Knife, and then he was doing Simple Song of Freedom. So <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be an ending for it, and then I'll right. be able to write my biography. Yeah, well, it, as, it, as guys in our, in our, our 40s, yeah. I think... Fading away is just fine. It's not better to burn out. Yeah. Contrary yeah. to what I agree. No, I agree with you. And you yeah. know what? They say that living well is your best revenge. Mm-hmm. Living well in Hawaii nah. is your best revenge. <laughs> they don't even know your address there. Yeah. They can't even send you a postcard. <laughs> That's what Where I, well, I don't have a Greg Kin. I don't know. No, you're no He's Dylan. living in Hawaii now. That's right. the last I heard of him. <laughs> Topless. Now, you, you are right. Uh, you, you have quite a few books to your credit, right? Yes, you I do. You have a, you're a, a, a horror novelist of some acclaim. Yes. That's yeah, great. And you know what? Heart, to me, when I was growing up, and I don't know if this is just a geek thing or what, but I loved horror movies. Yeah, me too. I, loved I the still crappy do. crappy 50s B movies, the black and whites. Yeah. Yep. And I would stay up and watch Creature Features every Saturday night, yeah. every without fail. In my town, we had a guy... Uh, uh, we didn't have Vampire or Svengoolie or anybody. We, we had kind of a third-rate guy. Yeah. Here in the Bay Area, we had Bob Wilkins. In, in, in the no, Pittsburgh was, area, we had Chili Billy. Chili, Chili Billy. <laughs> Chili Billy Cardell. Um, there were guys all over the country. Yeah. And you know what? That was a really cool job to have. I, mean, there I would you think were so. At 2 in the morning, down at the station, there's nobody around, and you're playing, you know, Daughter of Dracula. I know. It's <laughs> awesome. Anyway, I wrote a book. The book was called Horror Show. It was my first novel. It was uh, nominated for the Bram Stoker Award. Oh, yes. (laughs) It was nominated for the Bram Stoker. What does that award look like? It's just a, is it a cross? Is it a stake? What is that? It's a giant penis with a big head. (laughs) It's a giant penis. Anyway. um, It's controversial. It is. I wrote this book, Horror Show. It was my first uh, horror book. It was a straight up horror. It's about a guy who's the worst filmmaker in the world, kind of an Ed D. Wood. Yeah. And instead of using made-up zombies, he's using real dead bodies because they look so much better. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. So he goes down to the morgue, and he gets some really decayed bodies, and he, and he, and he, ma- and he manipulates uh-huh. them. That's how he makes his horror movies. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Like marionettes. Yeah, exactly. Big dead marionettes. Anyway, one of my ideas back then was to... Make them in the movies. Uh-huh. I had already written the uh, the screenplay for Horror Show, and I wrote the theme song, and this is the theme oh, song here we go. This for is great. Horror Show. Is this a debut? Is this an exclusive? Yeah. Okay, great. And I, I would think that the the weirdness of having, like, nice finger-picking, pretty, you know, like Paul McCartney singing uh, Yesterday for the Chainsaw Massacre. Right. That that, would, that, oh. That's what the effect I'm looking for. Nice.
Sometimes life is like a horror show Bella Lugosi am I And as I look into this horror show I don't understand why Nothing seems to matter I, Nothing seems to change I, Nothing makes a difference Be it ever so strange Sometimes life is like a horror show Boris Karloff is gone And now I see the angry villagers They say the monster must die And as the moon is rising And midnight rolls around I'm homeward bound Sometimes a life is like a horror show Bella Lugosi am I Bella Lugosi am I Excellent. <laughs> Incredible. Now, is that that's not on any Greg Kinn album, or is uh, it? Yeah, no, actually it is. It's on the Horror Show album, oh, okay. which was put out the same year as the Horror Show novel. Oh, okay. They just never had babies together. Okay. Right? Love theme from Horror Show. That's yeah, the love theme from <laughs> Horror Show. Right. You were in fine voice. That's you know, I, I, yeah, I just... I'm getting ready to do my audio book. Oh, nice. For the new book, the, the one I was telling it. you about, the Beatles uh-huh. novel. It's Excellent. a fiction uh, thing. But I got to get a voice coach because mm. I can do a kind of an English accent, but I mm. can't do Liverpool. Right. That's yeah. Liverpool. And, and, you know, it's, I, I can't, like, you know, the way the Beatles talked mm-hmm. to me was magical. And it was Liverpool. It was completely different from London. So yeah. I need to find somebody out there that can coach me. To, so when I read the book and I do the audio book, I can do all the Liverpool parts really good. How about McCartney? Yes, McCartney. <laughs> Let's get him to do it. What's he doing? <laughs> oh, he's, he's not got busy. nothing. I, she's probably just hanging around. Yeah, hanging around. I have yeah. another like totally random question, and this might just be an urban legend. I remember reading once upon a time 
Did your cat was a big star in commercials? Is that true? Did you ever? Oh God, man, that was a long time oh, okay. ago. Yeah, <laughs> I was married to a model. Oh, okay, and, uh, that uh, rock was, and roll was stardom. I, you, you have to look in your guidebook. I had a number one record, <laughs> right? Right. I was married to a model. Good I lived check. in a mansion. I drove a Porsche. <laughs> check. I was doing tons of blow. <laughs> she was nuts, and she looked at everything we had as a model. <laughs> oh, that slug would be lovely, and I'm like, let's get a geographical uh, National Geographic spread on that slug and the garden, honey. <laughs> so she had it in our mind and our puppies and our, and our everything that we owned right. was a model. She had a modeling agency. I'm taking them down to see Charles. You know, what, I, what, Charles is the guy that books the black cats. Don't you know? Oh, they had a guy that booked the tiger cats and, and puppies, mean dogs. You know, they. I had, I had friends that were bouncer types uh-huh. but they would model out <laughs> they had an agency and get what the agency was called what was it called grotesques grotesques <laughs> yes we specialize in grotesques <laughs> so if you need quasimodo call <laughs> now how long did that marriage last greg can i ask you that uh, uh well you have to look in your guidebook okay <laughs> i think it's three years all right I, actually years now ago. i think it was two two oh, that sounds about and, right let me tell you another thing every time i move to la I get divorced. I don't know if it works for any other guy, but I moved down there. I'm divorced within three months. And it's a, I moved into Wood, Woodrow Wilson Drive. You would think, yeah. God, what bad thing could happen Nothing. on Woodrow yeah. Wilson Drive? You're up at Safe. the top of, of uh, you know, La Sienica there, and you're thinking to yourself, nice cul-de-sac. Oh, yeah. Two, I, was, I think we lasted two months there. <laughs> I, well, I, my friend Todd says uh, moving to L.A. married is like going to Disneyland and bringing your own rides. Like, <laughs> well, you don't what? bring sand to the beach. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, bring sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of gals there. You can. Uh, uh. I want to jump into. Uh, I want to jump into uh, MTV and the success of Jeopardy. Yeah, well, that certainly made a big dent. Because you couldn't turn MTV on without seeing Jeopardy. Jeopardy was played, I believe, every 15 minutes there in 1983. (laughs) And I'll tell you the truth. It really made the record a hit. Here's how it happened. We had done the the video for Jeopardy. Joe Day directed it. And Joe was the kind of guy I saw was like leaning away. And then... (laughs) Sorry. Uh... And he had made it into, you know, we had a big conference one day. Uh-huh. We sat around a big table and kicked around ideas. And Joe kept saying, well, what are you into? And I didn't know what I was into. I said, well, I don't know. I'm into old horror movies. Perfect. So the next time I come and see Joe again, he's got a treatment for this Night of the Living Dead uh, horror movie right. for Jeopardy. Which was semi-autobiographical because I was just breaking up with my first wife at Marriage the time. as a horse. I know. Yeah. And a lot of people thought that it was the real shots of my wedding in there. No, they weren't. That wasn't. That, they were just shot on Super 8 to look like that. But we cut the, uh, the video, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We did it at a uh, Mission Dolores Catholic Church, downtown San Francisco. Same church was used in Bloody Harry. Remember when the, oh, the priest comes out and the guy's up on a hat and he's got the sniper rifle? Yeah. That, uh-huh. was, that was it. And that little park across the street. 
So, and and by the way, I don't know who was in charge of letting... Do you mean Dirty Harry? Yeah, Dirty Harry. You said Bloody Harry. Anyway. Oh, no. And I was sitting here, and I'm like, that, now that must be no, an obscure... Dirty. That's an obscure horror film I've never heard of. Yes. Rip off. Dirty Harry. Okay, Dirty cool. Dirty Harry. God, how did I get that one wrong? Well, you're always thinking about horror and yeah, blood yeah. and killing that ex-wife of yours. Yeah, right. Uh... Well, let, let's breast on here. Okay. I was, uh, we, he had chosen this thing, and I know in my heart, guys, that I'm going to hell for the things I did in that church after hours. <laughs> oh, no. We did a three-day shoot where oh, they let no. it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday straight through. We had a little Winnebago for a dressing room. Wow. And it was like a Cheech and Chong movie. You'd open the door to Winnebago, smoke would come billowing out. There's chicks in there doing big gaggers and stuff. And when, you know, people are chugging beers. What do you need? Uh, we need Greg. What party, Greg, do you need? We need his head. It'll be right out. And we did it three. Th- and I remember to this day how insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got so ripped out of our guts. So getting... Hi, and doing videos was one. That was one of the things they never told you. Motley Crue will never tell you how much fun they had making their video right. because they were whacked out. That's it. You go, hey, we're doing a video Thursday. What does that mean to you? Well, I better go out and get an ounce of pot and like four or five grams of blow and a case of beer because that's what we're doing. And it was really. Uh, I remember the the video for. Uh, Reunited was a takeoff. Yes, it was a sequel video. It was a sequel. Well, they all were linked in yeah. some way, and it it, was, it it started where the other one ended in the sports car, and it was just, it was a takeoff on Wizard of Oz. We had real Munchkins that we hired from a real Munchkins union. These people work all the time. Wow. Hysterical. So uh, <laughs> uh, at some point, and our guy, just to show you the advanced stage of partying in my band at that time. <laughs> The 84, that was the peak year, right, right. Day for partying. My guys were wearing, well, one guy was the Cowardly Lion. He had a full lion's head on. One guy was the Tin Man. And they had very elaborate Hollywood costumes that took five or six hours to get into. Great. Wow. And the makeup. Uh, and, of course, then it was the Scarecrow. And yep. So my bass player, <laughs> Steve, he was the Cowardly Lion. You know, he couldn't go all day without doing some blow. <laughs> so he had the guy build these straws into his mask. Oh so he's got this lion mask with these two little coming out. And then, you know, he would do a take and be like, all right, that's a keeper. And he just walked back into the dressing room. Okay, let's go back. Now, if you saw that in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. But this is a true story. Yes, built into the mask. And I thought that was rather ingenious. And then afterwards, he's like, if I was the king, he was ready to go. Let's, oh, God. Uh, we had so much fun doing that. Oh, geez. Let me, uh, you know what? Let's do I want to I play a little bit of Reed. United. This is from uh, 84. This is from uh, Contagious. Let's hear a little bit of this. Available on iTunes. That 
song took about five minutes to write. <laughs> you know, after the reunited with my baby part, the rest was just real easy. You know, funny story about shooting that video. I, I told you that we had hired munchkins, about 20 or 30 of them. Are they getting high? Are the munchkins getting high? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes less blow dirty. for them, right? Oh, they are, Munchkins are dirty. They're, okay. they're, they'll hump your leg. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> Gary Phillips, who's the Keith Richards of my group at the time. Okay. Uh, Is that good or bad? Well, it's a little bit. I think it's a little bad. Okay. It's probably good in the right circumstances. Anyway, he's out there, and we were doing, like, take number 79, you know. And you munchkins were out of position. <laughs> and then and Gary goes, well, that's it. And until these munchkins, uh, somebody tell these midgets oh, no. to get it together. See? He was a New York guy. So this guy, this little, the head of the munchkin come over to, to Gary, and he kicks him in the shit real hard. He goes, it's little people, you asshole, little people. And Gary goes, hey, somebody get this midget off of me, man. Get him off of me. He's hurting me. So they drag the guy out. The midgets walk out in force. Do they drag him or do they toss him? They, well, they, just, they left. It was like, we're not working for you anymore. So the, all the munchkins left. And we had to get children. The children of the people in the shoot to come over at like 3 in the morning. Hey, could you bring little Bobby over at 3? And we got we, we got costumes over here. Oh just come God. on down. And we, and if you look at that video carefully, in the last shot, you'll obviously see that they are no longer munchkins, but they are actual children. Man. Uh, that must have been like hippie, dippy, trippy then when you're watching. You're like, that Wait is, a minute, man. Spinal tap. I'm going to check that out tonight amazing. on YouTube. Oh, that yeah. Is, you got to oh, yeah. write that book. You got to write that bio. Uh, uh, yeah, the bio's going to be good. <laughs> bio's got, I don't know, I'll tell you some of the stuff that happened on that shoot, but I don't think you guys would. <laughs> Our hearts I think you'd it. probably throw me out. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I want to touch on other things that you've done. I want sure. to you you uh, you performed on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that was that was great. Because there's, there's, there's a lot of bands that haven't ever performed on Saturday Night Live, right? And uh, and Greg Kinban did. Which yeah. era was that? That was uh, that was that uh, was uh, season ten, show eighteen, <laughs> and the cast was Billy Crystal. Oh, okay, that year that was. Um, Howard, Howard, Cosell, uh, was Howard, Howard Cosell was the host. Howard Cosell was the host. Now I got to tell you. To me, back in those days, Howard was one of my idols. Sure. Uh -huh. I loved Howard. I loved him on Monday Night yeah. Football. I yeah. loved his uh, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali stuff. Mm -hmm. He was there for the Thriller in Manila. <laughs> so, And nobody hung with Howard. Apparently, oh. he was such an unpleasant guy wow. <laughs> that he had a dressing room about the size of this one directly across the hallway from my dressing room. And the doors were open. I could see, hey, Howard, what are you doing? He was. He drank old granddad. Nice. I mean, I'm in there drinking old granddad. And I come in, okay, I'll sit down and watch ice hockey with you and drink old granddad. And we spent the whole week doing that. Fine. But he never left the Howard Cosell. He was always, like, I brought him in to introduce him to my band. Uh -huh. And I'm going around and going, and this is Larry Lynch on drums and uh, and this is Gary Phillips, and this is Steve Wright. He's our bass player. He goes, Steve Wright, University of Miami, 1972. <laughs> Lineman of the year. You had it all. First round draft choice by the Packers, but you blew it, young man. You blew it. Why did you blow it, Stevie? Why? And I go, uh, Harrod, law, wrong Steve Wright. Different guy. Oh, never mind. He was just the best. Like, we'd be eating... The crew, they had a catered meal, uh -huh. which he did this running dialogue all day long. P 
Pastrami. These, yeah, pastrami. <laughs> these Brussels sprouts. Oh, my God. Where did you get these? These are not known in nature. <laughs> or somebody would push somebody in the hallway and go, Pugilism 101. Stand toe-to-toe with your opponent. He was just the best. And I spent the whole week with Howard. And, and you, I loved it. And did you converse with him? Or were you just sitting there drinking, watching TV? Uh, I conversed with him. Okay, we talked cool. a lot. You know... We talked about uh, um, uh, the guy that made Spinal Tap. Um, uh, Rob Reiner. Rob, Rob Reiner, right. Uh, the meathead. Yeah. Meathead. Had dropped by the set one day, and, you know, he was palling around with Billy Crystal yeah. and all the people that were on the show. Um, that was the Christopher Guest. Christopher yeah, Guest maybe was on. Christopher Guest. Yeah, and um, Michael McKean maybe was yeah, in there. Michael McKean. Yeah. And I, I was, I, who was the guy that did... Uh, um, <laughs> Martin Short, uh, the 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 real spastic guy. Yeah, Martin uh, Short, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. yeah. Ed, Grim- Ed Grimley. Grimley. Yeah. yeah, Ed Grimley. Okay. That's who I'm thinking of. There was a wonderful Ed Grimley, uh, and Howard Cosell was Ed Grimley's father. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. And uh, oh and they was they would stay and they'd put their makeup on and they'd stay in character. For, <laughs> Four or five hours, you know, go over the sketch two or three times. Then you'd see him hanging around the Coke machine. And he was like, I must say. I must say. I must say. Most decent. Yeah, and, and Howard, uh, Howard was the best. I, yeah, I had oh, a great, great time. And what did we talk? Oh, Rob Reiner popped mm-hmm. by. I guess he knew them. or Then he introduced me, and we were talking about Spinal Tap. It was like my favorite movie at the time. So. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's wow. great. Too much. That's fun. He's from an era when, like, uh, like intelligence and being erudite was was valued, you know, yeah. Howard. But that's not how it is anymore. So much. Yeah. And I just have to say, uh, when when you're on Saturday Night Live, the I, I want to say the album title that you were uh, that you were promoting at that time, Citizen Kin. Yes. Citizen Kin. <laughs> another another uh, another thing. An, another thing. <laughs> you know, we actually got to do two songs on the show, but when they aired it, they cut one of the songs. Really? Yeah, you did Lucky and Boys Won't. Yeah, and they cut Boys Won't, I think, That's which was our tune. next single. You do your oh, current single and your next single, and they have a rule on uh, Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. that you have to use the same people that were on the record. So whenever huh. you see a band and they got you know background singers yeah. and cello players and stuff, those are the people that were on the record, and okay. they have to sign a waiver that says it's the exact same people that were on the record, which was cool for us because we had legendary sax player Steve Douglas, sure. the guy from uh, you know all the Phil Spector stuff. Yeah. We had him fly out and play the, oh, that's blow the solo. That was great because nice. he's the guy that did it. Good for you guys and good for him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's another rule that you probably won't know unless you're a band on Saturday Night Live, but it was instituted the week before we got there. Okay. They used to, you would be, you rehearsed all week. And then on Friday or Saturday, you did three shows. You did an afternoon, mm-hmm. like a run through, and then you taped a show, yeah. and then you taped another show, and they took what was best from the two shows. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how I uh, uh, we we were in our dressing room and we you know we got done our run through. It was like yeah, well we're going to step out. We'll be back in an hour. You know, just walk around the neighborhood. No, no, you can't leave the building. Ooh. 
Why not? Why can't we leave the building? Well, we don't really want to point fingers. I got the guy to tell me the Thompson twins had been on the week before. Uh huh. And their run through was fabulous. Oh, everybody said this is going to be the best musical guest. Then they went out and scored some heroin. Oh, no. no. And they came back to the studio like 20 minutes before the show, like. Uh, the Thompson Twins. Catatonic. Fucking Thompson and, Twins ruining it for everybody. Yeah. You know, and then I was like, hey, look, we don't want to do hard. We're just going to smoke a joint. Is it okay if we go out? <laughs> no. They want to let you go. Anyway, it's because of the Thompson Twins. And if you'll go back and look at their performance, it is sort of semi-catatonic. But oh that became the rule of thumb. And now they don't let the bands. That is amazing. And I would imagine that it wasn't just the Thompson Twins that... Perhaps no, there were others imagine. before them. <laughs> what uh, now? Uh, we talked about Jeopardy. Uh, Weird Al calls you up. Oh yeah, and and Good and, man. and you you jump right on that. Oh yeah, because a lot of artists won't do it. Yeah, you know, I asked him who turned them down. Mm -hmm. I said, well, who in the world would turn you down? Because it's such a great deal. Yeah. You get half the money. Right. He goes on the road, you get half the money. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like mailbox money in its most pure form, <laughs> where you don't do anything except go to the mailbox. And and what I really love is you're also in the video. Ah, uh, yes. That was a wonderful thing. And I, when he called me, you know, he's got to get permission. Great guy, too. Great guy. Yeah. Funny guy. Nice guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I loved his stuff. So I said, yeah, I'd be real flattered. Yeah. I consider it flattering when somebody parodies you. It means that you're well enough known to be parodied. Exactly. And, uh, and of course, his version was fabulous. It is and a then good one. He, uh, and he And he invited me to come up and be to do a cameo in the video. I got to meet... Uh, uh, the, you know, the announcer guy. Uh, uh, Don Pardo. Don Pardo. I got to meet Don. Tell him what you would have won, Greg. That was wonderful. And we hung out and had lunch together with Don Pardo. Highlight of my career. That's great. I can and, tell you the who, song is I Lost on Jeopardy. I lost if anyone doesn't Jeopardy. know. Right. He, and I say, he, he told me no one's ever turned him down except Prince. Wow. No sense of humor. No, no sense, sense of humor. humor. He no. said, look, he wanted to do a Purple Rain you know, uh -huh. parody. Turned him down flat. Now, he said, Michael Jackson loved him. Would call him yeah. up in the middle of the night with ideas. Hey, how about eat it? How about that one? Huh? How about that one? And he would call him up. We would, you know, like, let's do another one. And uh, Prince, no go. Yeah, no well. go. I'll tell you who was incensed and just furious about the I Lost on Jeopardy was my friend Big Ed Vara. Because he... What like, the hell is wrong with that guy? He wrote... Uh, on, on, on this album, there's a song, uh, Girl Most Likely. Yes. He wrote uh, a parody called uh, Girl Most Likely Not to Conceive. <laughs> and, and he said, that was my idea to do Great Kid parodies, and this guy stole it. <laughs> like... Okay, hey, first of all, <laughs> did your friend have a career in doing song parodies? Not at all. That oh, might yeah. be the problem, Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. there's a parody house somewhere in Chicago <laughs> yeah. where you just send in. You know, I have been ripped 17, well, you know, I've been around for how many years? A million years? I started, <laughs> started in the, uh, you know, we were steam-powered when we started. That's how old the band is. <laughs> And I've been parodied a gazillion times. I mean, the, the breakup song was the wake-up song, the shake-up song. I mean, you know, Jeopardy was 15 million. I, there were several versions of uh, rap versions of Jeopardy. Wow. Really? Oh, and they were big hits in Europe. And I, huh. one was by this, uh, this French guy that mm. was really wow. I was very bizarre. Black French guy. Hmm. Talk like the Uncola guy, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, the, and the and the the whole thing with a Jeopardy, they give it this. I love in Jeopardy, yeah. 
Because <laughs> that was kind of the... Yeah, and then the guy would say, don't forget me, I'm Dr. B. I'm not forgetting you, dude. We're not a, that's all he said, too, like five minutes later. Don't forget me, I'm Dr. B. Well, he has to keep saying it so you won't forget him. Okay. I got to take that up. We did, <laughs> who's he? Dr. B, that's me. Because that was kind of a departure for you. That, that song had a little more of a... Like a disco beat or something yeah, it did. like that. So yeah, it kind of lent yeah. We were out to make money. <laughs> Everybody yeah. did it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was fashionable. After the yeah. Stones did yeah. Miss You, yeah. it was okay, you know? Yeah. Uh, I if even the Stones did, uh, are doing it, yeah. hey, look, that the paves the way for it. everyone okay. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe um, Jeopardy was actually sold more records than the breakup song hmm. and yeah. lasted longer and was an international hit because mm. you could walk into discos in Munich and hear it. Right. So that was kind of cool. Did um, I also I wanted to I wanted to play a track and I wanted to ask you, uh, you recorded one of my favorite Springsteen songs, which is for you. Yeah. Are, are you a big Bruce fan? Obviously, oh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, in the early days. Nobody had covered them. In fact, there was only one cover, and I think it was Fire mm -hmm. by the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. So I was second. And we, we had done it. was off of Asbury Park, New Jersey, right, yeah, which is an album, album everybody kind of overlooked. It's a great so, album. Love the album. Yeah. I saw Bruce do a, uh, a, a showcase set at the Troubadour wow. as an acoustic act before that album came out. Wow. And the like Troubadour's 70. about as big as the room we're in yeah. right now, so that's pretty amazing. And he just got out there with his acoustic, and he did like the whole album uh, just acoustic, and wow. it was fabulous. And you could tell the guy was... You know, special. had something, and uh, I did uh, for you. We just kind of messed yeah. around with it. Me, I saw it as a uh, like a bird's arrangement. Uh -huh. Like you were taking the old uh, Rickenbacker twelve string and doing a little jingle jangle yeah. bits, just like the birds did with Tambourine Man and Turn Turn right. Turn. And it was real. I was playing the. Uh, the the twelve string Rickenbacker at the time, so we were jingle jangling all the way all the way to the bank, <laughs> and and he loved my version, and he started doing my version live. That's wow. I saw him over here at Winterland, and then he actually said my name. I'm going to do Greg Kin's version. Everybody, went, no, please don't. <laughs> let's hear. And let's... I was really happy. Now I was the only guy. Besides his mother and uh -huh. his sister to be allowed backstage at Winterland. Oh, that's, no kidding. That's Only awesome. And it was like, did you do right, blow with his? Did you do blow with his mom? <laughs> no, but we did shots of tequila. Okay, though. there I mean, you go. All right. Um, there was a guy at the back door guarding Bruce's dressing room. Okay, and he was a big dude that used to be the bouncer at the Keystone. Berkeley, a guy. I'd removed the thorn from his paw once back in the <laughs> '60s, and, and his name is Tiny, of course. Yes. And he goes, "Hey, Greg, get your ass in! Yeah, come on now!" And he grabs me and the and the and his mom and his sister shoves us in the door. So, movie stars. And people from Rolling Stone are waiting in the hallway. I breeze in there with, you know, the guy. <laughs> nice. So I go in there, and Bruce 
very cordial. Yeah. And, of course, I got his mom with him and his sister. Right. Pulls me to the side. And he goes, hey, man, could you stay away from my sister? <laughs> <laughs> sure, Bruce, no problem. <laughs> so um, we had... You know, we had shots of tequila. Yeah. We were hanging out. They had to do a uh, an interview for 60 Minutes, and Ed Bradley walked in. Wow. And I was like, wow, I'm going to witness this whole thing. I'm just a schlub sitting here. He was uh, one of the nicest guys in the world. And every time I saw him afterwards, like when he gave me rendezvous, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. gave it to me backstage at the Roxy. Now, here's a guy like Springsteen. He shows up at the Roxy. He's already famous. Right. Like Born to Run had just come out. And he's and he walks in, no entourage, no road manager. He's by himself. He's in a rented Corvette that he rented at the airport. <laughs> he dr- he parks in front of the building and walks in. <laughs> and he walks through and he sits down at a table right in front with this other couple that went. <laughs> and for the whole show, they're sitting there with Springsteen. Wow, and he's amazing. like, he was a ba- you know, he was like going like this. And after the show was over, we were all backstage jamming, doing old Beatles songs and stuff. Wow. And uh, I, I forget there was a punchline to this, but I forgot. <laughs> give, us, give us a taste of I that. Wanna, yeah, I want to play a little of, uh, of uh, your version of For You. sounds fresh. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, you know, I remember we did that in one take. Wow. I remember wow. the one take because I had the flu and mm-hmm. I thought I'd have to sing it a couple of times. And boo. And the wait the, a minute, I got an out. I had the flu. The <laughs> flu. I had the flu. We got to call Weird Al up. Let's do this. <laughs> that, uh, now I just want to say, Greg, that that's uh, remastered on iTunes from the album Greg Kinnigan. So yes. people and go you buy can, that. You can buy that. At, I believe it's on the greatest hits. It's on as the well. great, the greatest hits, which uh, which Best Joel is. Oh, yep, he's holding up seventy five to eighty four. Yeah, and then uh, and we've been releasing each album. Album digitally one per month, and we just got rock and roll. So there's still uh, what continued was, was conspiracy, eight, yeah, contagious. Was, was Eighteen of them, I think, total. There was a lot. Are you guys doing it one per month, or is yeah. it just whenever? Okay, that's one awesome. One per month, original artwork. It's really a gas. I'm I'm going to rehearse with a band and learn some of these old tunes again. Nice. So we could, you know, are you going to play around? Up. Yeah, we're going to. Excellent. That's the other bit of news. You know, I I I've been rehearsing with the band. And we're working on material, mm-hmm. and we are going to be probably hitting the road. May do a proper tour this summer. Oh, that would be excellent. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love that. We, you know, it's been a long time since I did that. I know. That we, well, we're glad to get a taste of it right here today. So and uh, also also uh, uh, Greg and and Joel brought along. Uh, Two copies of the greatest hits that uh, I hope Greg will sign. We'll give them to the listeners. No, those are twenty nine ninety nine. Oh piece. well, <laughs> we'll talk about that's fine. Oh, but uh, we would figured we'd sell them to you guys. <laughs> no, why don't we give them away to uh, the smartest person that calls in? Okay, well, we'll, we'll uh, uh, write a review on iTunes. That's how we usually give away. Uh, yeah, write a review things. of this episode on iTunes, yeah. and uh, and then you'll get a copy of the CD, and we also have a DVD that's too. Right. 
Yeah, you know, yes. it'd be a, a lucky winner, and it's uh, it's good stuff. And and if you don't win, you should check it out because this is like it's an amazing career. It's, it's amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, and I love it. Yeah, you 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 like know some of the songs, and you'll discover some great songs. That's that's exactly right. Yo, and that's so weird because my wife, who's somewhat younger than I. <laughs> Uh, she, I, that was you. <laughs> I got, I got in my ba- in my garage. I've got eight tracks. I got a box of eight tracks of my first album. Okay, what are those? Oh, these, huh? You don't want to know. Anyway, I got forty fives. I got Layway. She's never, you know. So I'll be in the car and I got my iPod with every known uh-huh. Greg Kinn song on yeah. it. Something like uh, like uh, Reunited will come up. Yeah. And she'll go, did you do that? Is that you? And then I started copping everything. Uh, yeah, you know that Bon Jovi song that you just heard? That was, that was me. I always like when guys impersonate their wives because you just don't make her sound young. Now you make her sound crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or the, yeah, you do the Edith Bunker. What did, it, did you sing that one? Um, well, Greg, Greg, this has been this has been phenomenal for you to be here today. Oh, I got you, I, Pat. I grew up in the Bay Area. As a rock fan, uh-huh. listening, and uh, I was, you know, I, I, like in high school, too young to get into shows. Right. You came and did a matinee at the Saddle Rack in San Jose. I remember like, that. Unbelievable. Like me and my friends, we took the bus down. It uh-huh. was just life changing. It was so unbelievable. Well, was, when we were uh, when we were planning doing the show, uh, uh, we said we should get a guest. And Gary sends me an email, and he says, "Hey, I was thinking about getting this guy." And I go, and I email back, and I go, "Well, I was going to try to get Greg Kinn. And Gary says. Screw my guess. <laughs> yeah, screw my guess. That's like, yeah. Try to get Greg Kin. Please get Greg Kin. We used to play right down on this block at a place called the Old Waldorf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and it became the punchline after it was the Old Waldorf. I remember playing there, get this, with ACDC what? on their first tour. <laughs> wow. And that was a mostly glass club. <laughs> well, they shattered many a window and many a champagne glass. <laughs> chicks didn't, you know, chicks didn't like ACDC. ACDC and, and Rush yeah. are not chick bands. No, you go backstage, it was a bunch of dudes like you. Yeah, and T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, T-shirts. Dirty guys. Yeah, you, know, you know, hey, I'm into anthrax, man. Uh, but uh, I remember playing there with lots of great bands, and it was a wonderful club. Did you? Did you ever play there when it was a punchline? No, no, I never did. No, I, I was in the, the uh, club, but I, I saw many comedy shows there yeah. right across the street. Yeah, just amazing. And um, so you have the uh, albums are coming out monthly. Uh, when does the uh, Re- Revolver book hit the streets? The, uh, uh, it's Rubber, Rubber Soul. Soul. Rubber Soul, I'm sorry. It's September 3rd, oh, Premier yeah. Digital Press. I'm going to do the audio book for it shortly thereafter. After you learn that Liverpoolian yeah, accent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I don't. Just watch Hard Day's Night a few times. It's, and it, that's, you know what? That was, my, that was my primer, Hard oh, Day's Night. Oh, cool. There you go. So anyway... Uh, yeah, so that's coming out uh, September 3rd. We will be playing around, so keep an eye out. Uh, and you never know when I'm going to pack puck, puck, puck back on the radio. Um, <laughs> pack buck on the radio. One more thing. I posted on our Facebook page today that we were having a, a rocker from San Francisco on, and uh, a guy named P.F. Wilson guessed yes. it. And I said, remove that post. I remove want it to be a surprise. Yeah. But P.F. then, he well, sent he should me. win. He should win the, the CD. Okay. okay. P.F. Wilson's getting one of the yeah. CDs. All right. Done deal. Wasn't uh, that the uh, original drummer for uh, Pro Call Harem, P.F. Wilson? <laughs> P.F. Wilson. <laughs> First round draft. Okay. <laughs> But uh, P.F. Wilson, he sent me a message. He said, uh, Rock Solid is one of my immediate listen podcasts. So we thank you for that, uh, P.F. And also, uh, Greg, I wanted to ask you, would you mind playing us out with one more tune? Yeah, sure. All right. Everybody, like us on Facebook. Write a nice review. Greg Kinn, thank you so much. Joel, Skyler's here. Yeah.
fantasies, part of my plans. I say, Madison Avenue, man.